Committed to fair debate and honest information, the Reality Check has arrived. RCR, Reality Check Radio. Sonia Elijah, welcome to The Breakfast Show. Hi, thanks for having me on, Cam. You're most welcome. Now, I just see a couple of days ago, the UK Health Security Agency is still promoting pregnant women to get the COVID-19 vaccine. And they just put out a tweet saying, if you're pregnant, it's important to protect yourself and your baby this winter by getting your COVID-19 vaccine. Book now and get winter strong. And then they talk about getting, you know, contacting your GP and your midwife. You've got something to say about this, don't you? Yes, I do. Um, so I have been covering this for a while, following this information. So um, probably about um, December 2021 was the first time I started getting access to the, these are the Freedom of Information released Pfizer documents, where actually there were court orders. FDA had to release them on a monthly schedule. Um, so they're known sort of as a Pfizer data dump. So I was one of the uh, early journalists going through that. Um, and there was alarming information found in that uh, to do with um, harms to, well, harms to feet on um, the unborn. So harms yeah. to feet yeah. so being exposed to the vaccine via the placenta and uh, also harms to breastfeeding infants being exposed to the vaccine via the transmammary route. So, via, you know, essentially going to the breast milk. Um, and But, but not- hang on, they told us that, that they injected it in your arm and it stayed there and it was safe and effective. You're saying that Pfizer's own documents say something different to that. Yes, so Pfizer's own documents say otherwise, and you're absolutely right. This is the lie they told everybody, all the sort of health authorities, government officials. um, They said it just stays in the arm and that it degrades quickly, the the vaccinal mRNA. Um, Those are complete lies because actually Australia, uh, your regulator, the TGA, the TGA, they 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 did their own evaluation of Pfizer's animal studies, the non-clinical studies, and they found that the lipid nanoparticles, which is essentially the envelope that the mm. um, vaccinal mRNA are inside, they travel all over the body of these of in every organ tissue. It was found. This is in the animal studies. Went to right. the test ovaries eyes brain adrenal gland bone marrow everywhere right so they knew that and this is from and this that that was that was a report done on january 2021 um but even earlier than that you have how the mrna this is the even the invent you know the the, the original researchers yeah. of this vaccine and mrna platform I think in a, in a in a in a much earlier paper, they knew that it travelled everywhere, that it didn't just stay in one place. Um, so I have looked. So the the ones that were released, this is the Pfizer data dump. That was this was was um, documents submitted to the FDA, the US drug regulator, and all the information that they relied on to then grant emergency use authorization for the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine. So. I also found just this past April, because every month we're getting new information, I discovered a really alarming uh, pregnancy and lactation review. And um, so it's Pfizer's Pregnancy and Lactation Cumulative Review. And it was 
from the uh, onset through to end of February 2021. So it covered that period yeah. uh, from manufacturing up to February 28th, 2021. And there was alarming data in that. You have, for example, you have a fifth, so 20% of the lactation cases being reported. They're reported with, with, with some serious adverse events. You've got facial paralysis, lymphadenopathy, blurred vision. Um, you also have... Um, you also and they, and they literally in the they they use these terms that um you know exposure via you know trans mammary route and things like that um and then it it, it, it we all, we know that also there was a scientific paper there's been quite a few in the scientific literature studies done to show that there is the presence of the vaccine mRNA in the breast milk. Most recent was done was in September, and that was the Hannah et al. study done. And that confirmed it, that it didn't stay in the arm, it goes to the breast milk. Uh, very concerning. Uh, so we have it in the scientific literature as well. Um, but going back to this Pfizer document, um, you also have... Um, cases of uh, neurological adverse events, uh, convulsions. Wow. You have two cases of stroke uh, yeah. uh, in, of, of, in, in infants exposed to the vaccine via the transmammary route. And this is all in the document. It was an eight-page document. So it wasn't actually, it was quite a brief document. I've gone through many hundreds, you know, thousands of pages of, uh, but this was quite a brief one. And um also, it's talked about the harms to, you know, well, the unborn. So you have a lot of uh, women going into premature labor mm. and babies dying soon after that. because Baby, Babies babies dying. How many babies? Yes. So you have, um, I, mean, I don't have my report right in front of me. People can go to my substack to properly go through all the numbers. But you have... You have alarming data there. You have you have evidence of harms to the unborn, and they use the term via uh, uh, the, the, the baby was exposed transplacentally, so going through the placenta to to the fetus. This um, is appalling. It is. It just, is really just shocking. appalling. Mm. It is really shocking, and this is all this is all in the document. And and you had earlier on. Um, 270 pregnancies were reported. Uh, this is from the early, um, this is one from their very first safety reports to the FDA. They only knew the pregnancy outcomes, actually for 238 out of the 270, they had no idea what had happened. No pregnancy outcome, had no clue. And for the ones that they did know about, I think that the 32 that they did, 27 of those had spontaneous abortions. So you have, again, these are alarming numbers. Um, and and yeah, the, these are documented harms. But you, uh, what was also very interesting is that you have the the uh, MHRA in England and, you know, the sort of the these are the regulators in their own documents. It states there's not enough evidence. We cannot, you know, not enough to say that it's safe for pregnant women. And we advise, you know, and, and, and definitely, you know, we advise people uh, breastfeeding women not to take the vaccine. So this is in their sort of own evaluation reports. So, so, so let's just can I just cover that again. Pfizer said there's not enough evidence to say that this is safe. Not Pfizer. This is the regulator. Oh, the regulator. So FDA. The FDA yes, said. So 
This is like the MRHRA, the TGA, the FDA. So I looked through the UK documents and the American one, the FDA. In the packaging insert for the FDA, it states that there's not enough evidence to, to not enough sufficient evidence to to say it's to, to to talk about the safety aspect of this we don't know and also they don't you know it, it's it's not advised for pregnant women to take it this is in also the mhra's uh, document um but you have the health authorities from the spring of 2021 push doing a huge push to get pregnant women and breast and lactating women to take the vaccine. So I'm missing so, something here, right? I'm missing something here. We've got a yeah. report to the FDA and other government organizations yeah. using Pfizer's own data that says yeah. we can't say this is safe. Yeah. The, yeah. They can't say that it's not safe either, it's, but yes, they safe. but they yeah. but they're saying that it's not safe. Yeah. And yet those authorities or somebody else has made a decision to push this out onto pregnant women and and women who are breastfeeding uh, young babies, et cetera. Yes. So you have contradictory advice going on. I'm and they have still on, still on, still on the, the government, for the UK government site, it still says that. This is the original um, public assessment report that the MHRA did. Now, what is interesting, I wrote a big report highlighting this like look at this contradictory evidence i wrote that um, a while ago um over a year ago and and literally the next day they then changed they actually did an announcement this is on the government website we're hearing reports on social media of false stories that we're giving contradict you know like that we're saying it's not safe but that's what we knew this is the original port report is what we knew then now 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 it's it seems to be safe this was sort of the caveat they used um but for an extensive period of time it was like it had you know completely contradictory advice and they haven't they haven't update they haven't removed it it's still there so you have also um I know when you mentioned, you know, you have all these authorities pushing it. For example, in the US, this is with ACOG. This is the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. So they're Mm. a professional organization. They're huge. They received millions and millions from the Biden administration. And I wrote about this as well uh, for Trial Site News uh, to promote the vaccine in pregnant women. So essentially, they were paid to do so. So this is huge conflicts of interest. This is in, it's really such a huge scandal when they don't even recommend pregnant women to have unpasteurized cheese and and not not to eat sushi. But they're allowing them to take an experimental gene therapy product when they have no idea of the um, any long term safety data and the data that they did have. And this is like that first report was approved. It the cutter was at the end of February 2021. It was they knew the harms then. They knew the harms then. Yet, you know, you have in April 2021 a big push to get women vaccinated who are pregnant. Um and it's it's just so outrageous. It really is. So I've also looked at on the European side, these are the documents that Pfizer and BioNTech submitted to the European medicine. Uh, agency, the EMA. And there's been 
a lot of scat. I mean, there's been so much data in this. And again, these were only released through Freedom of Information Act requests by a group of medical professionals in Europe. So yeah. this is not data that they wanted the public to see. And I've looked through and they cover six month periods. So I've looked at the first one and I've looked at the, the period uh, PSUR1, PSUR3. And there's just been some damning data. And I was on your on, on uh, with talk, uh, talking to Paul Brennan about this mm. is to do with, um, you know, again, the harms to to babies and all of that. But also I found a lot of the child deaths. I, I, sh I sort of shined a spotlight on that. And you have this is to do with the. Um, uh, again, a six-month period. Uh, this is the first six months of 2022. You have thousands and thousands of children being affected by the vaccine. So in the, they broke it down between five to 11-year-olds and I think 12 to 17-year-olds. Yeah. So in the five to 11-year-old group, you have just under 10,000 cases of 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 children being harmed, right? Mm. Uh, now you have about 20% of those of reported as serious adverse events. Wow. And, yeah, I mean, it's 20 just 20% really is a huge number. I mean... 20% you know was actually 17%. So uh, that to be a completely exact. So 17 to best, so close to 20, yeah. um, have been affected uh, with serious, serious adverse events. Um, and then you have... Um, this is just under half. Forty percent of all the adverse events were classified as having an unknown outcome, meaning they had no idea what happened, no follow up, no right. idea. Now, of that age group, again, this is the first six months of 2022. You have 20 deaths of children, of young children. And, um, you know, I, I wrote this report for Children's Health Defence Europe, so people can go and look at there. They can also look at my substacks on your Elijah Investigates to read these reports. You have um, fatal preferred terms, you know, of cardiac arrest, cardiorespiratory arrest. In children. This is in seizures in children and, of course, death. Um, I, I sort of did some screenshots of these documents and I highlighted there were two cases, a six-year-old and 11-year-old who died very close after taking either dose one or dose two. So dose one, they died seven days after, uh, two, one day after dose two, and it, they put it down as myocarditis. Myocarditis so in, inflammation in, of in an infant. Muscle. Yes. So you have a six year old. And this is what they said, Cam, which is just so shocking. In the case of the six year old boy, the reporter said this is, I guess, the, the principal investigator reporter yeah. concluded that the death had nothing to do with the administration of BNT 162B2, which is the, the which is which is the Pfizer vaccine. So, so it was due to natural causes. OK, so. I don't so so how many die. how many kids die of myocarditis at six years old normally? Uh, I'm That'd sure be it's none, wouldn't it? Very, very, very rare. Very, 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 very rare. And 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 for it to, for them to state they died of natural causes, and 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 it goes on and on. I mean, such undeniable bias. You know, you have them completely dismissing these deaths. So I looked at also, um, and they they sort of go through these cases, and they literally just 
kind of crossed them out saying, oh, not enough information was given. We couldn't make a conclusion. We had, you know, they're not, autopsies weren't done. And this is another alarming thing you're um, finding is there are no autopsy reports. And you think if a young child dies unexpectedly, there would be an autopsy report. Um, you have, and also another factor they put, there were no confounding factors. This is to do with these fatal cases, the 20 fatal cases, meaning that these children did not have any underlying health conditions. So these so were healthy perfectly healthy kids who dropped dead with yeah. very, 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 very rare diseases and illnesses. Yeah. Yeah. It really, in, yeah. in in serious numbers, like you know, twenty or so, right? Well, yeah, and this isn't a six-month period. We're going to look at the whole. If you look at cumulatively, obviously, it's a lot, lot more. I'm sort of taking the snapshot. Yeah, so, so, so in six months, twenty kids died because in that age group, because there more age, kids, yeah, died in that age group, right? It, I'm just trying to put this into into some sort of context for the listeners, right? How many kids die? after vaccination for the flu? I mean, you probably don't know those numbers, but I imagine it's none. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, it's, these, it's, these are serious it's, alarms that should be going a, off. Anaphylactic shock or something, mm. a, a serious allergic reaction. Um, and what's also interesting is they do write, so they've kind of from 20, they drop it down to 15. This is, they're doing a bit of their, you know, um, narrative and they also state for the remaining six cases that this is what they say which is actually very telling a causality between the vaccination and the occurrence of the fatalities cannot be ruled out based on the temporal relationship although no laboratory data or autopsy results provided evidence of a causal relationship so that's quite a charged statement it's saying mm. that because they died quite soon after the vaccine, there's a temporal relationship that's been established. But because we don't have, so they can't rule out that it, you know, that it wasn't the vaccine. But because they don't have the lab data, there's no autopsy results. There's no evidence of a causal relationship. So this is what they sort of, you know, they get out clause. They, they, they write a lot but about that. It's, all, it's almost like they chose not to look so that yeah. they could say there's no evidence. Yes, yes, absolutely. absolutely. Well, that makes it deliberate. Yeah, I mean, it's it's criminal. It really is criminal. And then you look into the 12 to 17-year-olds, you had 20, uh, close to 22,000 of those uh, children, of those teens uh, uh, reporting adverse events. Uh, and you have, again, roughly, um, uh, and, 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 one third, so this is higher now, one third of that age group, those events were classified as serious. So it's affecting teens more. Um, and um, you had 62 fatal cases in that age group, 62, which is a very high number. And again, the preferred terms we've got, this is fatal, prefer death, dyspnea, pyrexia, cardiac arrest, myocarditis, cardiac failure. Again, these are young, healthy teenagers. They shouldn't be dying of cardiac failure. Um, we know that, um, you know, I looked at at three three fatal myocarditis cases, and there were these these kids were all aged thirteen. Yeah, 
And uh, two out of those three cases, it was not reported if an autopsy was performed. Again, you're having a lack of autopsy reports, this sort of brushing under the carpet, uh, what, what, what essentially what is happening. Um, and again, they, they just sort of, uh, what we do know, this is very alarming, is that if I looked at Euromomo, which is a uh, website, it graphs, it pulls weekly total number of deaths um, in the Euromomo partner countries. It shows cumulative excess deaths in children from zero to 14 years in Europe. Mm. And if you look from week one of 2019 going up to week 22 of 2023, you see a significant, uh, significant increase just around the time, so you sort of see the covenant, so shoots up around the time the EMA, this is the European Medicine Agency, approved the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine for children aged 12 to 15 years old. You see it sort of go up yeah. like that, like uh, pretty much around the same week. So, you know, we're seeing excess deaths in children in this age group. In this age group, I mean, it is, it is, it's really, really criminal. If this um, was any other medication any other treatment and it was having these signals for want of a better term showing up with alarming adverse reactions and deaths would that be still on the market um no it wouldn't it'd be taken off absolutely it would be taken off i wrote a piece kind of a while ago when they took off i think it was a a, a night nurse this sort of cough cold remedy night nurse and they took it off um because it had something that could cause anaphylactic shock and they and and that what 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 a complete you know the irony is that from day 1 when the Pfizer, when this, this mRNA vaccine was rolled out, you had cases of people going into anaphylactic shock yeah. from day one. This happened in the UK. Um, so that wasn't taken off. So it's basically one rule for everybody else. But for these sort of mRNA vaccines, they get a special pass. The regulatory approval has completely been bypassed. It's been a sham. It's been a theater. Right. Because mm. they had the damning evidence. They knew about all of this. Um, and that yet they did nothing. Yet they rolled it out to younger and younger age groups, down to six months of age, babies six. Now that's what they. So this is this is really uh, it, it's so egregious what they've done. Um, it's unconscionable. And 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 you know it's the more you look, the more data you find. Um, and it, and it doesn't stop there. That these adverse events. I mean, I've, I've looked at women with their menstrual cycles, a lot of heavy bleeding um, after the vaccine. Women, and there was a study done, this is interesting, in Norway, the Blix-Settel study, where it linked um, bleeding in women who, were, who who had stopped having periods. So they were post-menopausal women who right. started to bleed again after the vaccine. Uh, and this was in a, a recent study done. Um, yet they called all those root that they, they they branded all those people who coming out with their personal stories as, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. These are wild rumors. You know, they were just sh always, sh you know, we know blatant censorship has yeah. gone on. Uh, censoring vaccine injury groups has gone on from the get go. Um, and it, it, it and and it's just, yeah, it, it, it's just to like, Silence. It's, it's still going about. on, though, isn't it? Because uh, Michael Schellenberg uh, wrote on public about 
Facebook censoring their story uh, on COVID vaccine mRNA and breast milk, and that was that was uh, in June. Uh, well, no, it's actually more recent than that. The, the, the story was released in October, and it's been censored by uh, Meta, by Facebook, yeah. uh, and they've basically silenced that, but on whose say-so? Yeah. Well, we know that there is an unholy alliance between big tech, government, pharma, you know, all it's the Trusted News Initiative, which actually is helmed by the BBC. It was set up in 2019 to combat disinformation or what they deem to be disinformation, mm. right? And it was to combat any of these, and you know, vax, anti-vax, these sort of, you know, people coming up with saying that these vaccines are dangerous. So that was purely for that. Um, so that's why you see it across Facebook, you know, uh, obviously uh, a lot of you know, these online social media platforms, but also in the mainstream media, all across all across different platforms. And it was to combat misinformation in real time. So if they saw a story that was spreading, going viral, they yeah. shut it down. And I know for me, like, so that first report I wrote in December 2021, this is to do with the first Pfizer report that came out. This was their their safety report, their cumulative review. Mm. Just over the three-month period, I was interviewed by Calkine Media. They're an Australian uh, media company. It was on, they had a YouTube channel and that went viral, that interview of me talking about the data over like in two or three days, it got like, you know, close one and a half million views and then just got shut down. It got taken off. They they they, they struck it off. Um, this is YouTube, the video. So yeah, Google. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. So, um, you know, there's so many conflicts of interest going on. It is just, you know, and you just have to follow follow the money. Obviously, you know, this is this has been the most lucrative product. Right. If you think about it, um, gone into billions of people's arms and um, it is it is. Yeah, they've had the basically the regulating the regulators have done their marketing. Right. If you think about yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, they've allowed the pharmaceutical companies to mark their own homework. They do not rely on independent data. They rely on the data that the the vaccine manufacturers are giving them. So. And they just, you know, they just let it pass. Now, another story which I, I recently well, there's recent another there's another group of people that are complicit in this, and it's the mainstream media, because yeah. this is this is all in the data. You you're explaining to me what the data says. There can yeah. be no argument about that. There's no disinformation or misinformation. It's Pfizer's own data, but you don't see this reported anywhere. In New Zealand, for sure, um, our mainstream media would never print any of this information. And, yeah. you know, you're only seeing it on independent news like Public, for example, or Racket News with Matt Tabibi and people like that, that yeah. are, and yourself, you know, on your sub stack and, and us here at Reality Check Radio. But the mainstream media are complicit in the cell job of these, well, I, I can't even call them vaccines. Uh, anymore. They're not. Um, they're therapy products. They're not vaccines. Yeah. yeah. They and, do not work as conventional vaccines. And then you, they've, they've worked hand in glove with the politicians as well. 
And I have to sit here wondering, is anyone ever going to get held to account for this? Well, in their contracts, you know, black and white, they have indemnity. They they have indemnity only if there's been willful misconduct, which actually I wrote a report. Um, this was, gosh, earlier this year, beginning of this year, and I spoke about it at a conference actually in Norway. So I was given evidence by an unknown, you know, uh, anonymous source how Pfizer literally fabricated certain data. Uh, this is to do with their a Western blot test that they did, which is what they do to um, identify specific proteins. You use a Western blot assay. Yeah. They literally fabricated their data to show like the spike protein is being expressed by the vaccinal mRNA. They copied and pasted it. This is what this is what this anonymous and he and he showed a video. We, we you can see the way the plots are there. They're literally being copied in groups of two to three across different batches of the vaccine. So I've written about this. This is the, the um, this is for trial site news. It's also on my Substack, And um, yeah, uh, this is, this is just sell through the regulator things that were obviously looked fabricated as well. Um, and a lot of the tests that they should have done that they were even asked to do, they're still outstanding. They still haven't done them. Um, so this is for the the European Medicine Agency had given them specific obligations. So what I found is I've also covered a story. This was a while ago, probably over a year ago now, where I looked at leaked European Medicine Agency emails. And it was yeah. around the time of November 2020, running up to the time when all the regulators granted, you know, EUA emergency use authorization for the Pfizer and BioNTech vaccine. And you see a flurry of emails between the regular, you know, officials within the EMA and they reference FDA, MHRA. They were aware of a significant decline in the RNA integrity of the commercial batches of the vaccine compared to the clinical ones that were used in the clinical trial. So you have it dropping from 78% down to like 55%. And that means if you see a drop in the RNA integrity, it means that the RNA molecule is not intact. It's been fragmented, truncated. And they saw lots of fragments of that in the commercial vials. These are the ones rolled out to the public. Um, and they just were like, oh, this is concerning. We don't know the safety and efficacy implications of this. So they red flagged it. They they classed it as a major objection. And yet the way they solved the problem between Pfizer and themselves, they just lowered the standard down to 50%. So they lowered the standard and that's how they, that's how they rolled them out. I mean, it's shocking. But also what this speaks to, this lower of um, there's a diff, there's a huge difference. And this is what I recently interviewed Joshua Gertzko, a professor at Hebrew University, and other people, other genomic scientists have been speaking out about this. There's a difference between process one, which is the manufacturing process of the what they used in the clinical trials. Yep. These are small, small batches that, that they made, small scale. And theoretically with tight quality control because it's in the lab and all of that sort of thing. They had, um, yes, I've written about this. So they had, um, they used a different way of getting, uh, 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 they used PCR process, so process one, to amplify the DNA template that used to make 
the vaccinal mRNA, I mean, the, the, the mRNA for the vaccine. Um, they also used an expensive filtration system using magnetic beads. So you ended up with a more pure, a pure product. And, um, you know, process two, this is to cut corners. This is purely to drive profitability and in their upscale. So into do sort of mass manufacturing of the product, which was given out to everyone, right? That they use process two. And in process two, they changed it. They used E. coli bacteria. Oh, lovely. To, yeah, to grow and replicate DNA that they used as a template for the mRNA. So by doing that, they introduced a lot of contamination in the vaccine. You've got a lot of res residual plasmid DNA. You've got the membranes of these of the E. coli themselves, which is called endotoxins, and those are really, really toxic. You have that in what was given out to everyone. You have uh, scientists, genomic scientists. So Kevin McKernan, he he discovered this quite earlier on that there was DNA contaminated. There was contaminated with DNA, which you don't want in a vaccine, oh, yeah. you know, because DNA, if you is a, there's a real hazard that the DNA can insert itself into a person's own genome, right? Um, so. McKevin McKernan, and then you have Philip Buckholtz in America from South Carolina. He testified in front of a medical affairs committee there, and he highlighted this fact. And he was highlighting: we don't know if it's going to go into the, you know, into it, it can, it can, it can insert itself into become a permanent fixture of the of humans in in human cells. Um, and again, all the safety aspects of it. it this, he said it was a this was a plausible mechanism for why we're seeing all these very serious, unusual side effects. Um, and and he was also concerned. Well, they also found this is another alarming thing. They found the presence of the SV40 cancer promoting genetic sequence in the vaccine. Oh, gee, I wonder where all these turbo cancers are coming from then. I mean, so, so again, let's just recap in 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 plain English, right? We had Pfizer who has produced some results from the lab with a vaccine using process one. Yeah. Right? And that's what they submitted for the to the regulators that this is how we make the vaccine, this is how it works, these are the results, and there's Alarming it's, and da damning statistics in those anyway. Yeah. And then once they got that approval to roll it out, they then used a completely different manufacturing method, a different process that I, has introduced strange DNA, you know, that, that, that normally doesn't occur in the human body. And also uh, these cancer yeah, things promoting. in there as well. Cancer promoting genes as well. Yeah, and 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 this actually, is criminal. This is criminal. And also, when I um, um, Joshua Gertzka coined it as a Pfizer's bait and switch. And bait and switch is what you know. You have you go into a store and then you want to buy. You know, he was he used the analogy of you want to buy a, a you know Royals Royce, but they sell you a much more inferior car. So well, we don't have this car, you know, but we've got something else we can give you. It's a bait and switch. So what the product that is is that is going into everyone's arms and going all over the body, right? Because we know it doesn't just stay in the arm. Um, and they knew that they knew that early on. 
um, that that it's made from a completely different process, an inferior process to cut corners. This is and all corner cutting. Un- but it's unapproved as well. Because yep. process one was what was approved. Process one was what was approved, and they did a amendment in their clinical in their protocol. Pfizer amended their protocol October 6, twenty twenty, where they were talking about process two. Uh, but they said, "Oh, we'll test it out on at least two hundred and fifty subjects," um, but but we haven't seen the comparative data to that. Of these, where are these 250 subjects that they supposedly tested process two on? Right. Um, this this is and this is why they say because some of these are right, these adverse events we're seeing didn't show up in the clinical trial. And this could be the reason why. For example, anaphylaxis, that came out when they rolled it out, and you have people having anaphylaxis shots, you know, so uh, going in and you know, um, you know mm. some of them were you know, fatal. Um the the, the 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 unexpected vaginal bleed you know the the, the menstrual the, the heavy bleeding menstrual mm. abnormalities disorders those all showed up later they showed up when it was rolled out it didn't show up in the clinical trial so it shows essentially it was a different product right uh and because it was made differently and then you know in man it, you know the process is the product that's also what uh the the lecturer stated in my interview you know in his interview when i interviewed him the process is the product so if the process is different then that's you get a different, a different product. product yeah so um yes of course not mentioned in the mainstream media you know you've got it's only in you know and and not even many independent media outlets are even talking about this but i think this is a really huge uh, scandal as well and and um yeah, it, it's 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 just yeah. There's there's just it goes on and on really. The list of all the <laughs> of, of 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 all what's gone on is is just it's unconscionable. And yeah, uh, I mean, I, I thought I was pretty up to date on all of this sort of stuff, but it's quite shocking when you present it like this, and the vast number of the general public have no idea what has actually been done to them. Yeah, and, and if they did know, I think there'd be. Uh, some very concerned citizens marching in the street, but they don't know because of the complicit media, the social media companies and the politicians working in collusion. Now, the only way that I can see to make that all work so that you can keep it all quiet and you, you have to apply Occam's razor to this, the simplest answer is the most likely correct answer, there has to be vast sums of money that's changed hands somewhere. Yes, I mean they've all had interests, right? I mean we know that the NIH in America own like you know fifty percent of the patents for vaccines is owned by the NIH, and we know that um, a lot of the Moderna, a lot of their seed funding was from was from those U.S. agencies to invest to look at mRNA platform and to come up with a vaccine based on mRNA technology so it all you know it does it's sort of um it's that there's a lot of conflicts of interest there you follow the money essentially and it's 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 you know it's about uh profits and power you know it's 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 really but but to to do the sort of the censorship has been key in this because that people are only exposed to one official narrative that this Mm. vaccine is safe and effective 
I mean, they said that mantra over and over again. It's safe and effective. It's neither safe and it's neither effective because the efficacy goes into the negative, right? Which means that you're more likely to get COVID if you take the vaccine than if you didn't. Well, anecdotally, we know that's correct because we've all got friends who are vaccinated and they're all constantly getting COVID over and over and over again. I know one guy has had it six times. Yeah. You know, and he says, you know, oh, and I can't come to lunch or whatever because, you know, I've got COVID. And I went, well, but hang on, you're vaccinated. And and he's a true believer. He'll he'll say, oh, yeah, but it would have been worse if I hadn't been. I know. There's a disconnect. They've been brainwashed, right? It's been this sort of mass group think of like, this is what people who watch just the mainstream media, that that's all they get their information from, are going to be brainwashed because that's the only thing. Yeah, Robert Malone Malone calls it mass formation, doesn't he? Yes, mass formation psychosis. And I've interviewed him a few times. Actually, Mm. early on in, in, in my first interview was him in June 2021. And he was already talking about the harms for women you know, pregnant women, um, affecting women's cycles. He was, he the, mm. uh, the, the, the miscarriage rate. He was already talking about that um, from early on and, and sort of ringing the alarm bells and also, you know, got, you know, cruel, you know, shut down. I mean, the way that these scientists have been attacked, yeah. you have scientists being literally, you know, or med uh, doctors losing their medical license. This has been, there's been censoring of the science that's gone on. Uh, the scientific journals not allowing studies that show that ivermectin is effective, they've been withdrawn or or shown that all oh, they're somehow they're flawed or you know there's well, been there's, a- the, there's the one that's been released in the last couple of days that shows that hydroxychloroquine uh, was a a safe and effective way of combating uh, yes. COVID. And, yes. yet, and, they- and yet Donald Trump was uh, excoriated by the media. Uh, everybody yeah. else, when he suggested we look at hydroxychloroquine, and, and they came up with this crazy idea that it was what they used to treat fish tank water, you know, yeah. just cra- yeah. and, you know, ivermectin was horse paste. Horse paste, yes, you yes. know, just just bizarre uh, yeah. smearing of cheap and effective medications that have no side effects. Yeah. Good safety. I mean, ivermectin is on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines. It's been used for decades. Mm. And I've written about this. I did a big you, thing. You can't on overdose on it. There's no known yeah. overdose of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, and of course, it was it's been used in veterinary medicine, but it's also used in humor for humans. You know, there's it, it, it's it's different dosing and, and all of that. So it's it's um they well, use you- antibiotics in animals and they give antibiotics to humans. So it's like to use that thing as oh, it's just for animals. Is, is ridiculous. But um, in, in rest homes, it's ivermectin's particularly effective for dealing with scabies outbreaks and things like that. River blindness, they use mm. it a lot in Africa and parts of the Middle East. Um, and, so- and, stra- and strangely, those countries had a very low incidence of COVID too, didn't they? But there was also low vaccine uptake in those countries. You know, you can see that graphed. You know, countries that had very high vaccine uptake had very high high much higher like covid deaths and and, and yeah. lots, there's lots of data to show that and uh i mean it's it's really shocking what's gone on you have the clamping down of any censorship of any kind of early covid treatment that was blacklisted they blacklisted it um 
And you have, and the, you know, it was essentially just a railroad through the, the vaccines. It was because emergency use authorization was granted on the basis that there was no effective treatment for COVID-19. Well, that was a lie that's too. How got in. That's how, but exactly, that's how they got it. That's how they got the EUA. But that's a complete lie because there was a lot of, um, you know, off-label, like like we're saying, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, um, uh, early early COVID treatment that could have saved saved lives. Yeah, they like, chose like the FLCCC um, protocols yes. and, yes. you know, all of those different pro protocols that were out there. It's, yes. it's just exactly. astonishing how successful – I mean, these – the people that were behind this, and, and there has to be, a, I mean, it sounds crazy, right, to say there's, there must be a cabal behind this, but there really has to be. They got it right on how to control billions of people to do this. They panicked them. They said this is the solution. They silenced any, everybody who said anything different. I mean, it has to have been deliberate. I can't believe that every country in the world basically followed the same pathway and plan, and, and especially here in New Zealand where we're a little dot, you know, at the bottom of the world. Uh, we we were eight or nine months behind everybody else, and yet we did exactly the same stupid things. Yes. It's yes. astonishing, you know, and people think that we're crazy because we talk about it. And yeah. You know, uh, they still continue to this day to, you know, it's happened in our election campaign now where, uh, you know, one party leader, Winston Peters, uh, he he has been, you know, looking into vaccine injuries. He's saying there needs to be compensation and there needs to be compensation for those people who are mandated out of jobs, all of those sorts of things. And the news media and all the other political parties are accusing him of having, you know, um, vax hesitant or... Uh, conspiracy theorists in his party um, driving his policy, but he's actually the only one who's right on this. Yes. Now, he was actually a minister when they started talking about the vaccines and he got himself vaccinated, uh, and he's now subsequently come out and said he was wrong, that, yeah. that he was sorry that that happened, and if they'd known the things that we know now and if we'd been told the truth, and he's actually advocating for a full commission of royal commission of inquiry to look into all of this stuff. And I'd hope if we do have that royal commission of inquiry that you actually come down and present this evidence. <laughs> because, you know, the the other political parties, the other leaders are all getting really squirrely when it comes to talking about this now. Because if that happens, you know, in our election on the weekend and Winston Peters is in a position of power and it's likely that he will be, there's a good chance that this inquiry is going to happen. Yes, it needs to happen. I mean, I mean, it's just there needs to be there's been no accountability here, right? Built no. into the contracts. Built into the contracts. These are the Pfizer contracts. I haven't looked at Moderna's, but Pfizer contracts, governments had to take on uh, any liability. So if there was any 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 uh, effects harmful, you know, any anything, you know, da uh, uh, um, harms caused to the product, the government would take on the mm. risk that Whereas the the vaccine manufacturers, well, this is for, specifically for Pfizer and BioNTech, they were off scot free. They had indemnity. They were protected, and that well, was built into the contracts. 
that all the countries signed. Um, and and it's just these are predatory contracts. Well, How would thing, any country appreciate that and, yeah, and the, think that was a good deal for its citizens? And, and the thing that Pfizer hasn't banked on, probably because they're not actually politically astute, but there's this wonderful thing in parliamentary democracies called retrospective legislation. Mm. And so whilst they might have contracts that indemnify them against that, all it takes is an interested party to arrange for some retrospective legislation to be passed that yep. that goes back and says, no, you can't indemnify yourself against harms for the products that you've misrepresented. And that's yeah. the end of their contract. And that all it takes is a, it actually is somewhere like New Zealand or Australia, a smaller country, to to do that, to set an example to the rest of the world and say, yes. well, we're going to unroll your little contracts and your deceit and your dishonesty and your uh, maiming and oh, killing misconduct. of people <laughs> and misconduct. Yeah. But what staggers me through all of this is that the doctors – whose first rule for everything is do no harm. Yes. We're all in on it as well, either through fear or intimidation or silencing or or whatever, but very few doctors stood up and said this is wrong. Yes, yes, fear. Um, and also very, very few doctors read the actual clinical trial. They they read, they don't look at the data, you know, the clear. They will just say whatever the health authority they say that if that says if the MHRA says it's fine then it's fine you know they they rely on other so um and and or yeah or they were fear of losing their license I mean I know poor, the poor doctors in California went through horrific um they were literally you know they were being gagged essentially over there um and um they couldn't speak out about any of these vaccine harms that they saw they saw in their patients um and or or some just choose to sort of be ostr burying their head in the sand and thinking well you know they just the reality is too difficult for them to deal with that maybe possibly they've been pushing a product that is very harmful to people mm. um so who knows? But but definitely the fear of losing their license played a played a huge con uh, factor in that. Well, it, it's like the mandates, isn't it? it? You know, you lose your livelihood, you lose your ability to pay your mortgage, you use the ability lose the ability to to feed your family. Now this has been the biggest thing. Going just back to that, the coercive nature of it all, right? Mm. If this was a product, well, like this is a vaccine, you can take it. It's up to you, you know, free, you know, freedom of choice. It's your body, you know, but it exists. So if you want to take it, here it is. Regardless, putting aside that it's actually a dangerous product, but let's just say that. Yeah. It didn't give people that even in countries like the US, you know, and other, other, other places well, in Europe. And yes, yes, they mandated it. Like you had to have it to function yeah. in society. Um, or to go to a restaurant, or to fly get on a plane haircut, to get your hair cut. Yes, that, that yes. was particularly insidious. That was aimed squarely at women. Yes, because yeah, because men we will cut our hair with you know a pair of you know toe clippers. We don't care, yes. but that yes. was aimed directly at women. You know that yes. needed to get their their roots dyed or their perm updated or whatever, right? Yes. So they yeah. said, no, you can't go to a hairdresser if, unless you're vaccinated. Just appalling. It is appalling. It really is appalling. And it's, it's um, 
Yes, the coerciveness of it, the forcing people, and people didn't even, so the idea of informed consent completely thrown out the window here. Not, they were forced, first of all, so how can it be consent when you're forced, right? Yeah. As you give consent. <laughs> and also, there's no informed consent for places where it wasn't mandated, but they were just thought they were doing their bit, right? Oh, yep. if I take it, I'll protect grandma or I'll take it and I'll, you know, the idea of protecting others through, you know, that's never been uh, a thing before. You know, you don't, you take a medical product to protect yourself, right? But it, first of all, um, you know, it, they didn't even were aware of what was going into their bodies, right? Because as how these- can you ha- How can you have informed consent when, the product that was distributed wasn't the product that was tested. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> it's completely con- different. Yes, the level of contamination and also the the toxic spike protein that your body's cells produce because of the vaccinal mRNA. And also it's a modified mRNA. This isn't natural mess. We have obviously messenger RNA in our bodies, but this is modified synthetic so there's a whole host of problems that come from that, which is autoimmune disease. And this, this your your body uh, doesn't recognize this mm. this sort of foreign, the, you know, and 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 it's it, you know, you've you've got a, a huge thing of auto a whole tidal wave of autoimmune diseases that are happening, and that will happen in the future. Again, we who knows what in a few years, right? What more effects we'll see. Um, but it is it is really really very damning the data that I found and and again this is not my conjecture or or my opinion on things this I don't write Pfizer's own data isn't it I use their own data I, I go to the primary source all my reports are written on primary source documents and I don't do a running commentary on things and give my opinion and but obviously I analyze them and um I see what I can pull out of it. But it's it's uh it's hugely disturbing what has happened over the past few years. And I think we're still in the we're still in, you know, shock over it, really. I mean, yeah, it so is I, I, early on, I, a good mate of mine is a is a molecular biologist, and we were talking about the vaccines. And I said, Is this a good idea? And he said, No, 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 mate, listen to me. I studied mRNA at university. You don't right. want to. You don't want to go near it, right? Trust yeah. me on this one, right? It changes this, and it don't, he explained it all. I said, okay, that's really complex. I said, I'm. I work with computers, so what you're saying is that these companies like Pfizer, Moderna, have written a piece of code, yeah, that can be inserted into your own personal computer, which is your human body, and the yeah. instruction codes of that are. Uh, your DNA and the messenger RNA is how the information is transmitted around the body. He goes, yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. That's, you know, thing. I said, so hang on a second. That's like someone saying, I've just written a piece of software that will run on every single computer in the world, irrespective of the age or the software that's on that computer or the hardware that's on that computer and will work flawlessly for every computer. He says, yep, that's exactly what they're saying. Yeah. I said, well, every individual has different DNA from the next individual. Exactly. So how, so how can you write something yeah. in code? And that's exa- exactly what it is. It's code yeah. that they've written to insert into every single human. 
Yeah. Exactly. That's why we're seeing people that take it and have no effect, you know, and others who take it and they're dead two days later, sudden deaths and things like that. You're seeing, you know, cardiac arrest and um, it, it, it depends with the person's uh, DNA as well, their makeup. Um, and and um, but, you know, it, it's it's we don't know the long term effects yet. There's still there's still what we're seeing is already horrendous, but who knows, in, you know, a few years, what else? And and this idea of this DNA in the vaccine, you know, combining with our own genome. And then think about children, generational uh, toxicity, mm. right? generational, you know, especially when we know that the lipid nanoparticles go to the ovaries and testes. Uh, this was clearly seen in the animal studies done from years before. And um, we're seeing the harms in in, in on the unborn and, and breastfeeding infants. And uh, it's... And then you've got the case of vaccine shedding, which was actually even in Pfizer's the protocol, their clinical protocol. There was a section on vaccine shedding, even though they branded it as, you know, later, if you were to talk about it, you're a conspiracy theorist. But it's even in the protocol where if any women were to get pregnant, if their partner was vaccinated or through skin contact, that they needed to be alert within like 24. They had to know straight away uh to, to to follow up on this so they were aware of of that as well um which is very alarming and um yeah it's it's sort of you know you can go on and on with all this sort of how this was not a safe product um but the synthetic and obviously we, the, the, what do you think of the, the Nobel prize right you've oh, got just disgust me uh, Kathleen Carrico and I think it's a Weissman is it David Weissman um um uh, I can't remember his first name, but there's two researchers who've just gotten the Nobel Prize for it. And what is really shocking is that I think the vice chair of the, the Nobel Prize committee even stated to Science magazine that one of the reasons why we chose to give it to these mRNA vaccine researchers was because it was to improve vaccine uptake, to instill confidence. So Which is it was ironic because, you know, uh, they malign Robert Malone. Yes. Uh, and they've given these people the, the Nobel Prize so that they can say, well, they've got one now and there's two of them and only one of him. So this trumps his information. I mean, I'm that cynical. I'm, I, I, I live in the political world and I know how cynical politicians are. And that's the way I'm looking at that. It looks like a cynical ploy. Yes. Yes. And obviously there were the researchers to do the, to, to come up with pseudouridine. They replaced every uridine with pseudouridine, but it's even worse because in the actual vaccine, it's N1-methyl pseudouridine, which is even a more modified version of pseudouridine. Whereas uh, Malone, he it was on more nat natural, you know, mRNA, yeah. what the synthetic platform that he was. Um, so, so it's very, very different categories. And, uh, um, and they get, you know, rewarded with a Nobel Prize. Um, and that, you know, this is it. This is well, the world. <laughs> it's very topsy-turvy, very upside down. And it seems that normal scientific and medical testing protocols have just been thrown out the window for, yes. an, ex for an expedient. Experimental. Experimental reason for it it defies belief that that every country in the world pretty much has fallen for it. It it just yeah. stuns me to this day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, 
it, it, it's important work that you're doing. And, uh, you know, you must feel alone quite a lot often, you know, that you're talking to almost nobody because <laughs> no, nobody will no, listen. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, there have been some good, you know, I've been on Redacted a few times. They're a great show. They've got yep. um, Clayton Morris and his wife. Um, they they do a great news show. So I've been yep. on there a few times. They've got a lot of subscribers and um, independent. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of, um, I mean, obviously they're not, I'm not the only one talking about this and a lot of you know there's a there's definitely a, an active group who are making people more and more aware but um yes when it comes to sort of mainstream you know journalists yes i'm sort of in a small <laughs> in a small group of other independent journalists who are daring to write about this stuff but obviously my work is more the forensic style the investigative style that's what i do i don't just report on news and you know it's it's really going deeper and um and and you know that's that's there needs to be more investigative journalists doing this right. It's just yeah. um, because the more you spend on a thing topic, you, the, the more and more you can uncover. And it is the time; it's very time. Con- I do ninety nine percent of my time is reading. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just re- the research, doing the research. Um, and uh, but people can go to my Substack, Sonia Elijah investigates to to see my work there and I write for Trial Site News, uh, Children's Health Defense Europe. Also my work's been republished at the Brownstone Institute and yeah. there's UK publication um TCW Defending Freedom uh which was one of the first publications that I started to write for. And um but yeah, it's it's sort of and they can find me on X which was you know formerly Twitter now X um at @sonia_elijah. And I appreciate your time this morning in explaining all this information, and it certainly uh, opened my eyes up a bit, and, and I'm pretty aware with what's going on, but a lot of this stuff is kind of frightening, and I'm rather glad that I never uh, succumbed to the fear and intimidation myself now that I'm starting to find out all this information, and it just worries me that we're going to see the next 10, 15, 20 years uh, uncovering even more. Um, sadly yes but uh, yep Uh, thank you for coming on the show this morning and appreciate your time thank you for having me on take care committed to fair debate and honest information the reality check has arrived rcr reality check radio